I haven't always had control over the experiences that I've had in my life, but I have control over how I tell the story of them. I was thinking this is the greatest thing ever, and it is. My writing process is the same. I'm just a girl who likes to write. Oh, sometimes when you talk about the stuff that sucks, people will pay you money and you'll feel better about it, and then you can buy your Prozac. If you are waiting for permission to have a voice in this world and to tell your story in this world, then you're not going to get it. In this special bonus episode of The Bindercast, Emily Gould reads a passage from her latest book, Friendship. Initially, Amy's job at Yidster had been proposed as a three-month gig. She would sweep in, the plan went, and reimagine their blog, and then move onward and upward to some more compelling opportunity. This was right after she'd had her one great job, the job that had made her momentarily famous, or at least notorious, now that she was neither, it mattered less which one it had been. Three years later, she still imagined her no longer new job as temporary. She had no desk ornaments, had resisted even the temptation to claim a dedicated coffee mug. But on some level, she realized she wasn't going anywhere, not in this economy. She sometimes looked for other jobs half-heartedly. Partly, she was insulted that other jobs hadn't sought her out. But there was also something comfortable and comforting about Yidster, its cheery, clean office with big windows overlooking the Manhattan Bridge made her feel each morning that something might be accomplished there. It didn't matter, in those morning moments, exactly what that something might be. Yidster's Dumbo location was perfect, too. Of course, the third most popular online destination for cultural coverage with a modern Jewish angle was located not quite in Manhattan, but almost. Yidster provided health coverage, a decent salary, and free coffee, in addition to the perk, well, it was sort of a perk, of frequent lunch meetings at nice restaurants with their founder benefactors, Jonathan and Shoshana Geltfarb. The brother and sister team were heirs to a hosiery fortune. Faded lettering on the side of a Hester Street tenement still proclaimed, a lady who knows wears Geltfarb hose. That had been compounded many times over the years by the savvy, non-hosiery investments of Jonathan and Shoshana's father, Mr. Geltfarb. Now, though, the Geltfarb gelt was being steadily depleted by Yidster, but Amy wasn't too worried about that. Or maybe that was the chief source of her worry, that the Geltfarbs would never run out of money and she would be stuck at Yidster forever. The founders had many evolving and contradictory ideas about the website's mission. They would meet with the Yidster editorial staff, which consisted entirely of Amy, two other staff bloggers named Lizzie and Jackie, and their managing editor, a combative Israeli expat named Avi, at Vinegar Hill House or the River Cafe and discuss ideas over very expensive food. Then the staff would go back to the office and tentatively begin to implement the ideas, stalling on the important stuff as they waited for the inevitable email from Jonathan and Shoshana saying they changed their minds, that more concepting was necessary, more reimagining, more going back to the drawing board. All the strategizing and pivoting meant that Amy sat down at her desk every day and did basically nothing. 
She responded to several dozen all-caps urgent emails about make heads more SEO and tease jumps harder and various other meaninglessnesses from Avi, who sat five feet to her left when he wasn't taking one of a million daily smoke breaks. And she assigned Lizzie and Jackie to write a series of filler blog posts about the issues of the day with a modern Jewish angle. This meant skimming her RSS feeds and picking a few posts from other blogs for Lizzie and Jackie to uh, reimagine. Then the rest of the day was hers to waste. 